What I'd like to do is speak to you today about God's protection. We live in perilous times in a world that is being shaken with <clears throat> being shaken. Anxiety and stress are running rampant, certainly here in North America. They create fear in people and sets an environment that seems like what's going to happen next. Fear is mentioned in the Bible. I did some research on this. 365 times. So the Lord is telling us something. Not to fear. Anxiety and stress create heart, uh, health and relationship problems for sure. But we have as believers God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit to give us faith. We live by faith. God's word gives us protection. A righteous man or woman is who you are in Christ when you pray the prayer of protection in Psalm 91. Your prayer avails much, for God answers your prayers. Jesus is with you right now if you have accepted him and know him. You are set free from fear. It doesn't mean the complete disappearance of fear for the rest of your lives. It will come against you now and again. But through Jesus, you have authority over it. Satan is the source of fear, and he is alive in this earth. When you feel fear, don't run. The enemy will do whatever you put up with. Jesus is on our side. Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say in response to the things If God is for us, who can be against us? Jesus is for you because he is good, not because you are good. He is good because I can, <clears throat> he is good and not because you are good. I can feel fear, but I won't give into it. When fe fear knocks on your door, send faith to answer it. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. God's word gives us protection. Now, I have an awful lot of scripture here because I didn't want to come up and ad-lib it and say things that really didn't, were not scriptural. So I have in front of you now Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress and my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his wings, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. 
nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand of your, at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You'll observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near you. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you all in all ways. They will lift up you up in their hands so they will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for the, he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will, be made, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy and show him my salvation. I want to go back now to verse 2. I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This verse refers to shelter from storms and danger. The shelter is like the bunkers that many Jews have in their homes in Israel today to shelter them from small-scale attacks. In the figurative uh, sense, when you see the Lord, say the Lord, He is your refuge, He is declaring that He is your place of hope. The Lord is also your fortress. It refers to a castle or stronghold, a place of defense and protection against large-scale attacks that isn't, isn't that a beautiful picture? Whenever you might be going through right now, you can declare the Lord is your refuge and your fortress, your protection in both small as well as big attacks. Perhaps you have not been saying that the God is behind your troubles. Perhaps you are not saying anything about the Lord at all. Perhaps God wants to, uh, God seems to have away from you and you feel cut off from him. If that is you, I can encourage you to take a deep breath from whatever you have on your busy to-do list and simply take time to avail overall in his sweet presence. God is not distant. Sometimes we are just too distant to hear his voice and sense his loving presence. Savor his favor, receive his wisdom, and find rest for your troubled soul. The feeling of being distant from God is only a feeling, nothing more. He has promised in his word that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13:5. Our Lord Jesus paid to have access to God's constant presence. At the cross he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When God turned his back on him in Matthew 27, 46, he took our place and was rejected by God when he carried our sins so that today we take his place of being in the constant presence of the Father 
and take him as our refuge and fortress. Now this next one I'm going to, it comes from a Leon Fontaine uh, devotional. Leon uh, was, he passed in I think November, December of last year. He was the CEO of the Miracle Channel. He had a very large church in Winnipeg, another one in Calgary. I get a kick out of this guy. He's, he's something else. So I want to go to... Um, Verses 9 to 11. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. So, this is Leon. I was once on a plane that was heading down the runway when something went wrong. When they slammed on the brakes without warning at the last possible minute, you should have heard the screams and sobs on the plane. Everyone was slammed into their seats in front of them. And, and when we finally came to a stop, the guy beside me said, we almost died. I said, nah, we're okay. Before stopping to filter my words, this plane isn't going to come down because I'm on it. Instantly I realized that when I, I sounded a little bit arrogant. So I was glad that I was able to have a conversation with him later. The reason these words poured out of me in that moment is because it's what I believed in my heart. Do you think I'm special? Absolutely. And so, and so are you. As a believer, you are a king's kid. And Psalm 91 is absolutely true in your life. God will rescue and protect you when you call on him. He will answer. He promises you long life here on earth and salvation, complete health and wholeness, now as well as an eternity with him in heaven. When a crisis pushes at you and you're under pressure, you find out quickly whether the word is in your heart or just in your head. Keep meditating on Psalm 91 and other verses that promise protection. Eventually, a firm confidence will come pouring out of your heart. I want to have a look at uh, Psalm 91.13. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Now, a lot of people say, you've got to be kidding me. You, you tread on the lion? Lion's king of the jungle. You're going to go near a cobra and trample it? Boy, that's asking a lot. Do you know that a, as a believer in Christ, you have authority over the enemy? We're not talking about the enemy necessarily here. We're talking about Satan. It is true that the devil is the God of the of a fallen world. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. Who walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he devour? But we as believers are not called to cower in fear like people of the in the world. To God's eternal world word proclaims that he is greater than he who is in the world. 1 John 4.4 4. In Christ we have authority 
over the devil and his cohorts. In Christ, we have authority to tread upon the lion and the cobra. The fowler snares and the shall be foiled and the hunter shall be hunted. Our role is the increasingly dangerous world isn't to be passive and indifferent, waiting to be devoured by the roaring lion. We are covered with power and authority to hunt down the roaring lion. The Bible records the account of how Samson was in the vineyards of Tima when suddenly a young lion came roaring out against him. Judges 14.5. Now what would you say if you were suddenly ambushed by a lion? Tell, psychologists tell us that there are essentially three possible responses that are instinctively triggered when a person is unexpectedly thrust into an extremely dangerous situation. You can fight, you can take flight, or you can freeze. While most of us would probably take flight or freeze, Samson in instinctively rose to fight. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he tore the lion apart as he would have torn a young goat apart. Judges 14.6. Now that's having authority. The hunter came, in, came at Samson, but found itself hunted. Somewhere later, Samson passed by the lion's carcass and saw a swarm of bees and some honey in it. So he scooped up some of the honey and he ate it. It was from this experience that Samson came with a, with a, with a riddle. Out of the eater came something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. Judges 14.14. 14. This is a beautiful picture here for us. Instead of being eaten by the lion, Samson started, sorry, Samson obtained something sweet to eat. What is the spiritual truth for us today? Out of every negative thing the devil throws at you today, God will make something sweet for you. Your plans will be bread to you. God will turn every adversity into sweet honey for you. Now there's a number of scriptures. I'm not sure I'm going to pause over many of these. But they're all over the Bible in the Old and New Testament. Uh, Hebrews 1.14. Now we're going to talk about angels a little bit. Now I want to, I'm going to sort of move in a different way than what I planned. We think angels are fantastic. They're God's servants. And they are. But you know what? We have more power than they do. We have more power through Jesus. Make no mistake. When Jesus went to the cross and rose again and went to be with the Lord, he sat at his right hand. When you accepted Christ, you sit at the Lord's right hand. Some people really have difficulty really understanding that. You have power. The angels are not as high on the God's hierarchy than you are. They're there to serve. And they serve in a whole bunch of different ways. And I'm going to uh, sort of move along and, and look at different ways they do this. Now, this is how uh, angels watch over believers. That's one of their things. Now, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little story here, and it's true. It's about me. 
Nina and I just came back from Mexico and we, we live in Thrums and we got in the house and went to sleep and got up in the morning and there's no eggs. We like eggs. So Thrums Market's just down the way, just down the road, not very far. I jumped in the car like sort of a fool because it was really snowing hard. But anyways, I did anyways. Went down, got the eggs, jumped in the car, and as I was coming out of Moran Road, or Moran Road, onto the highway, there was a big snowbank, at least 12 feet high, that had been pushed, you know, into the, into the corner. And I thought, oh boy. So I just eased out onto the highway, just very slowly. Didn't see much. And I, then I got out in the middle of the highway, and I thought, holy crap, I'm in trouble. Because there was a car from me to where my wife sits. And she was doing, I say she, I didn't know it was a woman, but she was doing 80, or maybe she was doing 90. She had a little white car, and the, she had her parking lights on, but no headlights. And I just couldn't see her in the snow. I got, I had a, basically a decision to make. I could hit the gas pedal and get across the road, and hopefully she misses me, or I can slam in reverse and go the opposite, you know, where I always came from. The problem is, I made, I made, I guess you'd say the wrong choice. So I pumped the gas and away I went. She hit me broadside. The passenger door, uh, sorry, the driver's side door and the, where the fender is, she hit that area. And my car spun around. And I sat in it and I thought, I, a few blue words came out. I won't, I won't say that. You, know, that, that. you don't want to hear them. But I was mad at myself because it was my fault. But the, it was snowing so hard and she didn't have her headlights on. I couldn't see her until it was too late. So tried to get out the, the driver's side door. It was all pushed in almost on top of me. Couldn't get out. But I got over. Now I'm a big guy and I've got a ra uh, Toyota RAV. And I, so it was a struggle just to get out of the car over the console out the passenger's side door and go for a walk and see how she's doing. She's sitting in her car, a young lady probably in her late 20s, early 30s, with her face on the steering wheel, crying. They went, really, I mean, and she was in shock. Not hurt, but in shock. She looked at me as if I was a ghost because she didn't believe that I could get out of that car and walk. So the, the lady in the Thrums Market, she phoned the RCMP and the, the Mountie came out pretty quick. And he said to me, were you driving that car? I said, yeah. And he looked at me and said, I've been to a lot of accidents and the damage has been a lot, a lot less than yours and the people have sent, been sent to, to the hospital and ambulance in bad shape. What's going on here? And right away I thought, for the grace of God. The angels were all around me. Jesus basically saved my life. Or, or, or from, you know, being badly hurt. Because all I had was a few bruises on my left leg and my shoulder and I got, went to massage therapist and I was fine. You don't, you don't have that happen usually. So I give Jesus the, all the glory for that. Now here's examples and you, you can just, I know I'm, I'm sort of running out of time. I always kid my wife. And I kid my wife, I said, she's putting up the sign. The sign says, Richard, you're on the clock.
You're running out of time. Come and sit down. So, I, I don't see the sign yet. But I know I'm running out of time. <laughs> Anyways, you can see the situations here where angels were ministering, or angels were working, or angels were protecting people. Another example in Matthew 18.10 and Luke 16.22 where angels are working. I'll leave it up here for another 30 seconds. Now I love this one. I'll read it. Then the angel said to him, Acts 12.8-11 Put on your clothes and sandals and Peter did so. Now Peter was in prison. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. P Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea what the angel was going to really, was doing, was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. He passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through. When they had walked the length of one street, the angel left him. Then Peter, to him, came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Can I just say something? Yes. Last, is this on? Check, check. No. Here. That's on. So yesterday driving... I was listening to the audiobook of the Bible to this and to what he just had up there and then last night I, sp I spoke to my friend about it and we found and I opened up the book and I flipped through it. I thought it was chapter 5 but we got and it was, it was 12 so I read it to him. Then today I listened to it again on the drive in here and I burst out crying thinking that Peter was freed. I was like, are you serious? And I'm crying, going, he was freed from prison? The, the bars disappeared. He thought it was a dream. And now you're talking about it, so. <laughs> now I'm flashing some more up there. I know, I know this is t time consuming, so I'm not going to read it through. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. Now Balaam was, um, he was a priest back in the Old Testament. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing on the road with a sword drawn. So he bowed down and fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from these three times. If it had not turned away, I would have certainly killed you by now. But, but I would have sp spared it. So here's Balaam. He's, happy, he's not happy with his donkey. And here's an angel right in front of him saying to the donkey, don't come through here. And the donkey then was trying to rub Balaam off against a wall to get rid of him. Balaam said to the angel 
to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not, do not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now if you are displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with the uh, Barak's officials. Okay, this is from a fellow named Joseph Prince. Joseph Prince is a, uh, he's from Singapore, really good preacher. He sends devotionals out to people uh, on the internet. I'm going to skip that one. Okay. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. James 5.16 The Hebrew word Korah, it's Q-A-R-A-H, is often used in the Bible to explain God-ordained happenings. The first time Korah is mentioned in Genesis 24.12 when Abraham sent his servant to get a bride to his, for his son Isaac. The servant did not know which girl would be the right one, so he prayed. O oh Lord my God, my master, Abraham, sent me, please give me success this day, and show kindness to my master, Abraham. The phrase, please give me success, is the word Korah. The servant asked God to give him Korah, right happening. If you follow the story, you will see how Abraham's servant was successful in the task. What you want to focus on here is the posture of the servant. He prayed for God's help, intervention, and leading. He had a picture of humility. We need the Lord in our life, lives daily. No matter how intelligent we are, we can't put ourselves at the right place at the right time, 100% of the time. Only the Lord can do this for us. If we say low and lean, if we stay low and lean on the Lord to wisdom for wisdom, guidance, and understanding, He will guide us and protect us. To pray is to adopt a posture of humility. It is saying to God, Father, I can't, but you can. Now I'm, get, I'm getting here to a, something that happened. Um, a lady who attends our church regularly shared that on the overseas trips, she, she got engrossed in her quiet time with the Lord, that she missed breakfast in the hotel at which she was staying. But while she was in her room, a horrific terror attack took place in the hotel's restaurant. She was dwelling in the secret place of the Most High and was supernaturally led to linger in the presence of that morning. She humbly, prior, prior, she humbly prioritized this time with the Lord over the schedule time for her breakfast. If she had gone down to eat, she would have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's why I say in Psalm 91, the prayer of protection. When we pray the prayer, we are saying, Lord Jesus, we can't protect ourselves. You can. We humble ourselves before you. Be our refuge, our fortress, and our God. Surely you protect us 
you shall protect us and deliver us from harm in these dangerous situations. Lead us to be at the right place at the right time and with the right people. I mentioned earlier, God had servants to angels, but he wanted a family, so he created man and woman. You are created in his likeness and his image, and you possess his characteristics and his DNA. God chose us, but it is up to us to choose him. The devil hates you so much because God created you higher than the angels. Angels are a separate creation apart from, from man and are not sons or daughters. Satan despised God's creation of mankind and tried to exalt himself above the Most High when he led the rebellion against God and was banished to earth he became an arch enemy of the kingdom of God through treason. He led Ab and Eve in this same treason against God as well. He had no authority over them until they gave it to him. Scripture says that you are seated with Christ in heavenly places far above all principality, might, and dominion. I wanted to get to Ephesians. Ephesians 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, when I was a Christian, I've been a Christian for a long time. It never clicked, it never did click until just recently how close I am to God, not because anything I've done, but what Christ has done for me. And, you know, it's unbelievable that I'm sitting at the right hand of God and a lot of the time I never realize that. I have to think about that. It doesn't automatically come. And it's, it's because Jesus died for our sins. He died for us. He went to the cross. He rose again. And when he rose again, we, we often give the Satan too much credit. But he's a lowly angel compared to us. So Ephesians 1, 20 to 21, he, ex he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also one to come. So I'm going to wrap up. I've left some scripture behind, and that's okay. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 1 Peter 5.8 You have to learn to ignore the roar. He goes about like a roaring lion. He doesn't have any power over you. The only power he has is in the power you give him by believing the roar. God is in control. Fear is a dead end, but faith has a future. That is why the way out of constant worrying is not a matter of thinking positively. It's birthed 
out of knowing you have a personal and intimate relationship with our loving Savior who watches over you and needs and tends, who watches over your needs and tends to you as a loving shepherd. The more strongly you believe that he is taking care of you, the more it will change your thoughts and beings and feelings, and the less you will fall victim to unhealthy emotions and behaviors. What I'd like to do at this point, and I, and I know that there's a number of people here who know the Lord, but I would, I'm going to say a prayer for those people who would like to know Jesus as their personal Savior. So if you can just silently, if you like, pray with me, repeat after me, to accept Jesus as your personal Savior, that'd be great. Jesus, come into my life now. Forgive my sins. Help me to be the person that you want me to be. I accept you as my personal Savior. Pour out your incredible, unconditional, limitless love on me right now. I want to be, I want to trust you and follow you. Amen.